I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. You're a wizard, Harry. Welcome everybody to episode number 47 of the Stage Door podcast, recorded on January 26, 2017. I'm your host, Maria Raboli, and this week it's all about true stories, because I'm reviewing Hexo Ridge, the founder of Lion, and Beware the Slender Man, and I would also share my votes for the SAG Awards. And you guys are back with your segment, Reviews from the Pews. So grab your popcorn, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. So here we are, another week, another podcast, and a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. I saw a lot of things, and I thought what was funny is that I realized every single thing that I saw the past week was actually a true story. So how very appropriate to put them all together in just one podcast. Um, But I saw three movies at the theater, and I want to share my reviews with you, of course, guys. The first one was uh, Hexo Ridge, and it was, of course, directed by Mel Gibson and starring Andrew Garfield as Desmond Doss. Now, I've heard mixed reviews about this film, and honestly, I didn't really know what to expect. I knew it was based on a true story. And and again, just to sum it up for you guys, Desmond Doss uh, served as an American army medic in World War II during the Battle of Okinawa. And he refused to kill anybody or to carry or touch a weapon. And he also, he became the first person to receive a Medal of Honor without having fired a single shot. So that it's pretty pretty fascinating story, very inspiring. But when it came to the movie, I wasn't a fan. Now, I have to say the overall word that I could think of to describe it is cheesy. And that's pretty a pretty unusual word for a war movie, but that's what kept popping into my head as I was just, you know, sitting there watching it. The the way the film was shot felt really old-fashioned and not in a you know, nostalgic or time-appropriate kind of way, but just old camera moves, old framings, very stagey when it came to the actors and their actions, the music. It just it felt stale. And um, also at the very at the very beginning, we see Desmond Doss falling in love with this nurse, and they go out on a first date at the movies, and he kept staring at her in what was supposed to be cute and romantic but I don't know to me it just came across really creepy and it was just a weird scene and I realized I was laughing at it again it felt just it it was really awkward um and then we also get to meet Vince Vaughn who plays Sergeant Howell and I'm sorry but for the life of me I couldn't take him seriously we see him uh, yelling at uh, at, uh, his soldiers but it just he came across in a 
comedic way because I mean no matter what that's his strong background and it was just hard to detach from from that and and, and on top of that I just didn't believe him his character didn't feel connected um his opening scene yelling at them felt like a really cheap copycat of Full Metal Jacket. It just it didn't work for me. Um, also, I was saying before, many of the actions are very staged and forced. There's no, there's no logical or like in the moment activity. It's more like, it's more like, oh, here's the here's a rope that you need to quote unquote find and use, but then. There was no finding. The actor doesn't find the rope. You know, you just you could see the actor just going through the blocking one step after the other, and it's just I don't know. It's just something that took me really out of it. Um, and is you know what? Like even though the story obviously was a real story, the movie felt unrealistic to me. And um, <laughs> there's a moment towards the end where he's saving Sergeant Howell and he's dragging him on a piece of cloth uh, running among like the dead bodies and while being chased by the enemy firing at them and and Vince Vaughn shooting back at them while being dragged on this (laughs) blanket and it just looks so corny and silly again I found myself giggling at many scenes for all the wrong reasons and and you know I've heard people saying that this was one of the greatest war movies of all times for me it wasn't even close to that if I think about war movies I think about Apocalypse Now Full Metal Jacket uh, Platoon Saving Private Ryan The Deer Hunter but definitely not this one Um, again great true story of this man and how he single-handedly rescues 75 men from battle without ever carrying or using a weapon. Absolutely fascinating, but major fail for how this story was told in this movie. So, final vote. Three gummy beers. That was actually pretty generous, that three gummy beers. It's probably even less than that. It was really a miss for me. Sorry, guys. But then I got to see... The Founder, directed by John Lee Hancock. He's the same director of Saving Mr. Banks, a movie that I absolutely adore. And if you haven't seen it, you should really watch it. And starring Michael Keaton, Laura Dern, uh, Nick Offerman, and uh, John Carroll Lynch. That He was great. He was great in this movie. Now, again, another true story. And it follows follows the story of Ray Kroc, a salesman uh, who came in contact in the 50s with this great little, quote-unquote, speedy food restaurant called McDonald's. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. And he kind of took it to a whole new level, level, as we all know, of course. Um, And the story is fascinating. It truly is fascinating. But before I go even into it more, let me start with Michael Keaton himself because he's such an exciting actor to me very present in every scene energetic always he always have like unexpected choices that he makes and i really enjoy watching him and he was great he was great in this role um the movie also has of course a great look we're in the 50s so the cars are gorgeous the colors the clothes uh so much fun so well done the music i love it love it love it now, one of my favorite scenes in the movie was actually towards the beginning when he takes um, he takes them out for dinner, the two owners of the McDonald's, he takes them out for dinner because he wants to know their story, how they came up with this great restaurant. And um, and I, that scene was just so well done. I have to say, 
there are very few times when I'm able to truly immerse in a movie or a play and just enjoy what I'm seeing without noticing all the other more technical details. And that's because, you know, being in the business and being both an actress and a director, I just look at a movie or a play with different eyes. So any time I, I truly feel lost in a good way in a movie, it's pure magic for me. And this scene did that to me. It felt like... I don't know, I felt like I was sitting at the table with them, listening to this incredible story. Um, I, I felt myself just smiling through the whole thing. I loved it. So bravo to the director for keeping an incredible pace and to the editor for just gluing together, you know, the flashbacks in the moment. It, it was great. So well done. And, but also, also, I'm really, really, really clapping my hands right now for um, John Carroll Lynch, who was just wonderful as Mac McDonough. Yep, that was his name. And uh, the way he told their story, how his brother came up with the idea of this chain technique so that they could have tons of burgers ready to go as soon as you order. No more utensils. Everything was wrapped in paper. Um, so you just throw it out. Um, it, it really was fascinating. And of course, it was a revolution, revolutionary what they did. And um, the the movie, you know, it moves very well. Um, also, uh, you know, thanks to the very very nicely written script by Robert Siegel, it's it's just it's exciting. It makes you it makes you feel curious. Um, each character is very well defined. Uh, we have Laura Dern who plays uh, Ray Kroc's first wife and she's just lovely. She's another actress who I r really enjoy uh, watching and always very deep and fresh in every scene really love her work um and most of all I, I have to say each character has an incredible arc in the movie you see michael keaton transformation from this frustrated salesman to uh, this excited partner to a ruthless businessman who really stopped at nothing to create his his empire because he you know, he started as a partner with the McDonald's brother, uh, brothers after convincing them to franchise the restaurant. But he, you know, he took over and left them in the dust, literally, because they couldn't even keep their own name anymore. It was really um, an unbelievable story. Um, and again, his transformation was outstanding. Uh, the, the movie starts like on a lighter note and a passionate note and it turns into this a little darker tale of greed very 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 interesting i can tell you enough how much i love that um i have to say i personally think that his performance in this movie was stronger than the one in birdman um uh, truly wonderful this is an award-winning performance uh by michael keaton so i'm it makes me sad that it didn't make it to the Oscars uh, to be considered. Maybe next year, I wonder if they'll still consider. But he was fantastic in it. Um, I've actually heard that the role was offered to Tom Hanks. And I have to say, and I adore Tom Hanks, but I'm glad it actually went to Keaton because I think he has more of a darker side in him than Hanks has. And I think it worked perfectly uh, with, uh, with the role. So again, big fat thumbs up for the movie. Final vote is nine and a half gummy beers and a couple of fries. It's good, people. You have to go see it. Go see it. Go see it. But I do have to say that I still wouldn't eat at McDonald's if that was the only way to survive.
but that's another story. <laughs> and I do wonder if McDonald's would be different now if they if the two brothers were were actually in charge because they were very particular about the food. Uh, anyway, I'm not going to go into a McDonald's uh, rant, but anyway, <laughs> moving on, moving on, nothing to see here. I also saw Lion. I wasn't done with my weekly dose of movies, so yeah, I decided to go see Lion, and I actually saw it the same day that I saw The Founder. Um, it was a cold, rainy, and windy day, so, you know, there was no other choice for me. It was a full-on movie day. Uh, Lion is uh, directed by Garth Davis, and this was his first feature film, and that really impressed me, because I didn't know that. I checked him out on IMDb, and yep, this is his first feature. Uh, the stars of the movie are Dev Patel, Nicole Kidman, Rooney Mara, isn't it? Um, but I do want to mention the little boy who played the young Saru. His name is Sunny Power. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping not to butcher his last name too much. He truly stole my heart. Oh my goodness, he was so adorable, I couldn't take it. Um, again, this was another um, movie based on true events, and it was absolutely fascinating, the story. The uh, Lion is, is actually the story of this little five-year-old boy who gets lost in Calcutta and somehow gets adopted by an Australian family. But he never stops looking for his biological family. And 25 years later, he was able to find his mother again. And he gets lost because one night, him and his brother, uh, his brother was going to, to work a night shift. And he was like, take me, take me with you. So his brother was like, all right. So he takes him with him. And then they get to the train station. And But the little boy is so tired. He falls, he falls asleep on a, on a bench at the train station. And the brother is like, all right, don't move. Just stay here. I'll come back for you. But the little boy wakes up and all of a sudden he gets up he gets in a train he's lost and he you know he, he doesn't know where it is he, he, the train keeps going so it's very very interesting and actually at the end of the movie we find out that his brother died that night in an accident and so it, it's just it, it's mind-blowing the story of these people and i can't even imagine the mother what she had to go through and because uh, she lost two boys one was killed and the other one was was lost and but this little boy when he was adopted again he never stopped searching for his family even though he didn't he didn't know where he the family was or anything but it was really fascinating now um Dev Patel does I think a wonderful job and I have to say this is one of my favorite roles for him there's a there's a lot of heart in his portrayal of Saru. You feel his need to belong somewhere, you know, to find his home. Uh, it was very touching, very touching to see his journey. I I have and you know I have to say I saw the trailer for this movie and I didn't feel at all interested in it. But after watching it, I do have to say that I did enjoy it. And uh, you know, once again, it proves you how powerful trailers can be you know in one way or another i'm sure we've all seen movies that look terrific from the trailer and once we sat in the movie theater they were a miss or like in this case the opposite so um i do also want to mention this cinematography because it was really beautiful truly uh they were able to recreate different places and feels like you can almost smell like the hot 
air in India while the two young brothers run around the train tracks. Um, and the director does a lovely job telling the story. And once again, he deserves an extra bravo knowing that this was his first feature film. So great job. Good, good job. Um, what else? Well, you know what? There are also many important themes in the movie, you know, from uh, the problem of what happens to lost children in poor areas of this planet to uh, to what it feels like to be adopted or uh, and also how to recover from a traumatic experience. So th- there was a lot of very deep topics and maybe my problem with the movie was that it was just... <sighs> You know, it was just such a deep and complex story that it was hard to pour it into two hours. But again, having said that, I think the director did a nice job and the acting was pretty sharp and on point. I actually did enjoy Nicole Kidman as well. And I'm usually not a huge fan of her work, but I have to say this was probably one of my favorite roles that I've seen her in. Um, a lot of emotions in her. I thought she did very well. And um, and actually, at the very, very end of the movie, you actually get to see pictures of the real Saru. And there's a short video of him and his Australian mom arriving in India to meet his biological mother, And that's where I lost it because I was doing good till then. And when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. So yeah, definitely bring a tissue if you go, if you go see it. Final vote for Lion, seven gummy bears. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It was, it was a nice, um, it was a nice surprise. Again, I almost didn't want to go see it. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. And then I, I did. And I was like, all right, that was, that was good. I actually enjoyed that. And then, whoo, a big twist here, but something very, very different. I also saw another true story, and this time in the form of a documentary, Beware the Slender Man on HBO. Oh my God, what an intense couple of hours, people. The the documentary was directed by Irene Taylor Brodsky, and again, another true story of two... 12 years old girls who in uh, 2014, if I'm correct, yeah, I think it was 2014, they stabbed one of their friends 19 times. And this was premeditated. They had planned to kill her for quite some time and they went into the woods with her where they carried on the attack. And um, she was left on the side of the road bleeding. Fortunately, she survived. But, you know, I can only imagine the psychological trauma she must have. The... um, and the two the two girls who decided to kill her, uh, they they wanted to do that because they felt that Slender Man wanted them to do it. Now, Slender Man is a is a fictional character, of course, who's been going around the internet in you know scary sites, and uh, he's like he's this extremely tall and very very thin figure. He doesn't have a face. It's it's like a white faceless creature with extremely long pointy fingers who could also like grow like tentacles looking thing from his back lovely um and you know the also the interesting part and they were talking about it in the documentary of course is that he's both like an evil spirit who kidnaps children and also almost like a guardian figure who's there to protect them. So it, it kind of depends from the story, who's telling the story. Uh, but nevertheless, those two little girls believed that he was real and that they had to do this or he was going to come for, you know, for them and their families. And I started watching this documentary the night they released it. 
and I had to stop it because it was just so disturbing. I I had to come back to it the day after in the afternoon to finish it because I couldn't I couldn't sit through it that night. Um, in the documentary, of course, you have the interviews with the parents of the two of the two girls, as well as footage from you know the real footage from the courtroom, their interrogations, the, their confessions that you know it happened right after the uh, the attempt murder. I have to say, you know, to see their parents talking about them, oh my God, it was heartbreaking. Uh, it truly was. Um, they, of course, didn't see it coming, and I can only imagine how they must feel. One of the parents was talking about the kind of harassment he received, they received after, you know, hate mail, telling them terrible things, how horrible parents they are, that their daughter should burn in hell. Um, and, you know, let me say something. While you watch this, you will form tons of opinions but I do applaud the, the the filmmaker for constructing this documentary in a way that you actually see facts. So she really focuses on on that, not on the guilt, more on this is what happened. So uh, bravo for doing that. Um, and then also you see, you get to hear from the psychologists who evaluated the girls, and they talk about schizophrenia. And it may, you know, it makes perfect sense. If you, and if you're not familiar with the term, is a very, very serious mental illness where you start believing and seeing things that are not there. But you know, for you, they are. It's what you see is real. And you know, you have hallucination. It's it's a very complex uh, illness and a very brutal one. My father was actually a psychiatrist, and I do remember many stories he told about cases he had worked on, and he was unbelievable the power of the mind the things those people would do or say because of what you know they were experiencing and it was all real to them um now one of the the two kids was also bullied in school and one of her teachers recalls her crying because you know she was getting picked on and she didn't have any friends so when she found this other girl she became very attached and they started sharing this story about Slenderman and bonding over it. And one of the stories, one of the stories actually connected to Slenderman says that he was bullied in, in school. So for them, I guess it was also an extra layer, another way to relate to him. Um, and there, there was something that they mentioned in the, one of the doctors or psychiatrists, psychologists that there was, it was interviewed mentioned uh, in the documentary saying, you know, believing in something, it makes you, it makes you feel part of a group. And this was a group of two, you know, it was just the two of them. Plus, of course, all the other people, fake and real on the internet, but it made, you know, it also, it became a very exclusive group as well. Um, and they also showed some of the posts the, one of the girls had shared or liked on social media and they were, oh my God, they were really disturbing. There was a video of a woman giving her cat a live mouse to kill and eat. And this little girl, you know, she shared it. She she loved it. I couldn't even watch it. I was cringy. I couldn't watch that video. Um, one of the mothers did share that they noticed that their daughter didn't have much empathy. Uh, she said that they were watching Bambi and they were worried because she was going to be upset watching Bambi's mom die. But he didn't touch her. She kept saying, run, Bambi, run, save yourself. So that was, I'm, I'm sure it was a moment that they were both like, what just happened there? Um, and also the father of one of the girls has schizophrenia as well. Uh, he controls it, I mean, with medications and he's able to function and have a 
I guess, quote-unquote, normal life, but they did know that they had a chance to pass that on to a child in case of a pregnancy. So I'm just going to leave that there. Um, again, the documentary, it shows a lot of different moments. And I mean, you should really watch it for yourself. I think the most important issues, of course, uh, that come out from it are mental illness, bullying, and, and the, power, the, the power of of the internet. And this is a discussion that I know I can talk about it for like probably three hours. Um, but it was really fascinating and really scary and sad. And and when I say scary, not scary, like, oh, I'm scared of the Slender Man. It wasn't that. It was a, a psychologically scary to see the damage um, that something really that came out from the internet was able to do on those two girls uh, who obviously they already had problems to start with. We're talking about a serious, serious mental illness. So it's a very long discussion, a very complex one. Um, and, you know, listen, I think I'm, I, I know I'm old fashioned and I cannot really understand why a kid these days must have an iPhone before he turns 10. Um, and because, you know, they get sucked in into a virtual world that, of course, doesn't exist. And I mean, we all do. I'm guilty of it, too. But of course, you know, a young mind who's it's a sponge for anything. It's it's way more subject to be influenced by anything she or he sees at a young age, and you still know. And I mean, it. I think you still know what is right and what is wrong, no matter how old you are. But we all know that your brain is not fully formed or an, an easy, easily influenced at that at that age. So. Um, and I also believe fear is one of the most powerful weapons to have power over an individual. Um, I mean, look at the results of the election. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to go there, I promise. On top of that, um, we... I, I, you know what? I, when, when they started talking about schizophrenia, because it, it is a very serious mental illness, uh, I... I think it's like, it's such a com an extremely complicated issue. And it's a, an extremely complicated case. So I think that the director did a good job in showing that side of it, but there was so much more that needed to be explored and, and told. Um, and, you know, it, it's like I'm thinking out loud, right? I'm talking here to you guys. I can't, I, I think it, to me, it also goes back to how you treat people around you every day, all day, because you have no idea what the person next to you is going through, how your words and actions will affect her or him. Um, it's, listen, it's no secret that I'm an empath. Uh, you've heard me saying this on the show before. I'm a highly sensitive person. I'm a sponge for all emotions. I absorb the energy around me of other people, of things that happen in the world, and they affect me deeply, like really deeply. And so I've learned to, you know, one, never judge anyone. Two, always be kind. Always, always try to be kind. And bullying is a very serious problem. You know, turning everything into a joke can be very hurtful. People don't understand, but words hurt people much deeper than uh, than we expect. So I know I'm digressing here. Again, I, I told you I can talk about this for a very, very long time, but because I think it's a very important uh, topic. But anyway, it was an incredible incredibly powerful documentary also the girls have been in jail for a couple of years now and uh, 
though the trial date is still pending, they're set to be tried as adults for attempted first-degree intentional homicide. And if they're convicted, they could be sentenced to, up, I think, up to 65 years in state prison. And that's another very strong decision that the judge made to to have the girls to be tried as adults. So, yeah, again, you're going to have your own opinion and, and it's, it's it's intense. It's a very intense documentary. My final vote for Beware of the Slender Man, I'm going to say eight and a half. I just felt from a technical point of view, it could have been just a little tighter in the editing and telling the story. But again, a must see. Let me know your thoughts when you see it, because I would love to hear um, what, you, what you thought about it. Um, again, very, very, very powerful. So... Whew. Moving on, moving on. Um, what is it? That's all I've seen this week. Let me think about it. Yes, that, that that's all I've seen. You know, three movies and a documentary. But I'm also binge watching something new that I will probably review next week. I'm binge watching on uh, Amazon. Um, Sneaky Pete, and I'm enjoying it very much right now. But I'm gonna hold on until next week for a full review but I do want to actually go through uh, the SAG Awards nomination because the SAG Awards will be on um, Sunday this Sunday for me because I'm taping this on a Thursday and this coming Sunday the 29th it's the SAG Awards and um, I always enjoy these awards because of course being uh, a SAG member uh, I get to vote so um, I love that I love this award because it's really from uh, from actors to actors so I, I really enjoy that and um, also the major plus is that being a SAG member and having to vote for the awards I also receive all the screenings the free screenings so I get to see a lot of movies now the, of course on the other side I received all the movies and I had already seen them all I think the only two that I received that I hadn't seen at the movie theater was at movie theaters was um Arrival and Fences. So I was very thankful that I got it and I got to sit at home, watch them. And you can hear my review a couple of podcasts ago. I think so. But anyway, um, so I'm going through, I'm going to tell you my votes. My secret vote will be revealed. So the categories, and please play along with me right now. For outstanding performance by a cast in a motion picture, we have Captain Fantastic, Fences, Hidden Figures, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. Now, this is outstanding performance by a cast. My vote went to... Can you guess? Okay, you get to guess. One, two, three, guess. Wrong. Went to Hidden Figures. <laughs> Did you all say Manchester by the Sea? Because you know how much I love that movie. Um, but I felt, I don't know, a performance by a cast, I went with, uh, yeah, with Hidden Figures. I thought it was, they were terrific, even though I adore Manchester by the Sea. So that was my vote. So if they win, it's obviously thanks to me and my vote. Um, <laughs> then we have outstanding performance by a male actor in a leading role. Uh, the nominees are Casey Affleck, Manchester by the Sea, Andrew Garfield, Hacksaw Ridge, nope, Ryan Gosling, La La Land, Viggo Mortensen, Captain Fantastic, and Denzel Washington in Fences. Now I saw every single one of those, very strong category. Hands down, Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. Loved him in that role and loved that movie. And I think he's going to win. Um, and then we have outstanding performance by a female actor in a leading role. Amy Adams in Arrival. Emily Blunt, The Girl on the Train. Natalie Portman in Jackie. 
Emma Stone, La La Land, and Meryl Streep, Florence Foster Jenkins. I saw all of them. Other, uh, no, the only one that I didn't see was Florence Foster Jenkins with Meryl Streep. But my vote, hands down, Natalie Portman for Jackie. She was amazing in it. Loved her. She needs to, um, she needs to get this one. This is. I, I cannot see I, and even though I loved Emma Stone in La La Land Emily Blunt was great in The Girl on the Train I'm actually glad that she got a um, a nod because her work was really good the movie wasn't but she was great uh, but Natalie Portman she deserved this uh, award 100% so we'll see she got my vote and then we have Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Supporting Role Mahershala Ali in Moonlight, Jeff Bridges' Hell or High Water, Hugh Grant in Flores Foster Jenkins, Lucas Hedges in Manchester by the Sea, and Dev Patel in Lion. My vote went to... I voted for Lucas Hedges in Manchester by the Sea. I thought he did a lovely job, and... Uh, um, yeah, he got my vote. I hope he wins. I really do. Marishala Ali in Moonlight, I thought he was great, but his role was just so small. Um, and I didn't think it was a, an award-winning role. I, I, I've seen him doing way harder roles. I just I didn't see that as a award. But I'm glad he got nominated. I really am. I'm happy for him. But I hope Manchester by the Sea will win. And then we have Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Supporting Role, Viola Davis, Fences, Naomi Harris in Moonlight, Nicole Kidman in Lion, Octavia Spencer, Hidden Figures, Michelle Williams, Manchester by the Sea. And I saw all these lovely ladies, and um, they were all really fantastic, very strong category. I love to see all those badasses women being nominated. Um... My vote, my personal vote, went to Naomi Harris in Moonlight. I hope she wins. Um, even though I'm pretty sure it's going to go probably to Viola Davis. And again, she deserves it 110%. Nothing to take away. I think she's... I adore her. She's, you know... I, I always say she can read, you know, the, the phone book. And I would be like, oh, please more. Uh, so I would be happy, obviously, if it goes to her. But uh, I don't know. Naomi Harris, I think she, she deserves this, this award from, you know, her peers. So she got my vote. And then we had Outstanding Action Performance by a Stunt Ensemble. This is a fun award. Outstanding Action Performance by a Stunt Ensemble. The nominees are Captain, Captain America and Civil War, Doctor Strange, Hexaw Ridge, Jason Bourne, and Nocturnal Animals. I voted for Doctor Strange because I thought the, the stunts were beautiful. Everybody was fantastic in it. It was really well shot. And uh, they deserve it. Absolutely. I hope they win. And then we move on to television. And uh, we have outstanding performance by an ensemble in a drama series. We have The Crown, Downton Abbey, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, Westworld. I saw them all. Jeez, I watch a lot of stuff. Um, I voted for The Crown. Uh, I, I have to say, I think... If I hadn't seen The Crown, I would probably vote for Stranger Things just because I loved it. But after seeing The Crown, they deserve it. They were so good. So good. So loved it. Loved it. And then we have Outstanding Performance by an Ensemble in a Comedy Series. The Big Bang Theory, Blackish, Modern Family, Orange is the New Black, and Veep. Now, why do they keep putting Orange is the New Black in a comedy series? I can't understand it, especially after the last season. It is not a comedy, people. Um, and I enjoyed it, but I don't think it's a comedy. 
So I voted for the Big Bang Theory because I'm a little nerd. So I went with them. Um, and then we have Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Drama Series. Sterling K. Brown, This Is Us, Peter Dinklage in uh, Game of Thrones, John Lithgow in The Crown, Rami Malek in Mr. Robot, and Kevin Spacey's House of Cards. I had the pleasure to watch all these lovely gentlemen doing their thing, and they were all outstanding. My vote, hands down, John Lithgow in The Crown. He deserves it. He was outstanding in it. And then outstanding performance by a female actor in a drama series. Millie Bobby Brown, Stranger Things, Claire Foy, The Crown, Dandy Newton, Westworld, Winona Ryder, Stranger Things, Robin Wright, House of Cards. Again, a very strong category with wonderful female artists. My vote went to Claire Foy, The Crown. She was unbelievable. And I think she's gonna win this one. She was really fantastic. Um and then we have Outstanding Performance by a Male Actor in a Comedy Series. Anthony Anderson in Blackish, Titus Burgess in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, Ty Burrell in uh, Mother Family, William H. Macy in Shameless, and Jeffrey Tambor in Transparent. This was a weird category for me. <laughs> I don't know why. I voted for William H. Macy in Shameless that I think I saw three episodes of it. Uh, and I don't know why I just gave it to them. The um, Blackish, I've never seen it. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, I tried to to watch it. I, it wasn't for me. Didn't like it. Uh, Modern Family, yes, it's always funny. But uh, Transparent, Jeffrey Tambor, he's great. Again, I don't think it's a comedy. I don't, I don't see that show. It, it depresses me tremendously, that show. I can't even put it into words. Um, and so I went with William H. Macy in Shameless. We'll see. He has my vote. And then uh, what we have? Outstanding performance by a female actor in a comedy series. Uzo Aduba, Orange is the New Black. Again, not a comedy. Uh, Jane Fonda, Grace and Frankie. Ellie Kemper in Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Julia Louis-Dreyfus uh, in Veep. And Lily Tomlin in Grace and Frankie. Now, Grace and Frankie, when it came out, I tried to watch it. I thought it was one of the worst thing I've seen so I could never I, I just I couldn't get into it so that's a note for me even though Jane Fonda is lovely uh, and Lily Tomlin is as well but just I hated the show um, I actually went with Julia Louis-Dreyfus in Veep and believe it or not I'm, um, I only saw parts of it here and there but um, I always thought she was very strong and um, and it is a real comedy so I went with her and then we have outstanding performance by a male actor in a TV movie or miniseries. We have Riz Ahmed, The Night of, Sterling K. Brown, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story, Brian Cranston, All the Way, John Turturro, The Night of, Corny B. Vance, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story. My vote goes to... Can you guess? Can you guess? It's John Turturro, The Night Of. He was so good in that role. I enjoy watching him. He made the show for me, so I hope he wins. And then we have the last two. Uh, outstanding performance by a female actor in a TV movie or miniseries. Bryce Dallas Howard in Black Mirror. She was great in it. Felicity Huffman, American Crime. Audra McDonald, uh, Lady Day at Emerson Bar and Grill. I've never seen that. Uh, Sarah Paulson, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, uh, American Crime Story. And Kerry Washington in Confirmation. And I went with... Sarah Paulson, The People vs. O.J. Simpson, American Crime Story. She was outstanding in the role, <clears throat> and I really hope she wins. She was beautiful to watch. 
Last but not least, outstanding action performance by a stunt ensemble. We have Game of Thrones, Daredevil, Luke Cage, The Walking Dead, and Westworld. Hands down, no doubts about it, Daredevil. Daredevil Season 2, the action sequence, the stunts in that series were the best stunts I've ever ever seen in a tv series or in a movie i absolutely love it we if you're a daredevil fan if you watched it on netflix you know what i'm talking about if i say the staircase scene you just know it and if you don't just drop whatever you're doing get on netflix and watch it just you know finish the the, the podcast and then go watch it. but they have to win if it doesn't go to them it's uh, it's it's just they get robbed it was it was fantastic so um yeah so those are my votes so uh we'll see we'll see i'll keep track during the um the night on sunday i'm sure i'll be live tweeting and facebooking with you guys if you're if you decide to watch it and then last but not least we have i'm putting you guys to work and once again this week we have reviews from the pews so you guys were so nice as once again dropping in our uh facebook private group at the you know the sage door podcast you know that one (laughs) and uh you wrote a quite a few reviews for the week of things that you've seen and this is you know it's it's your own corner so you can share something that you've seen that it's now in the theaters or it's something that you're binge watching right now an old show that just came back to mind and you wanted to share so anything you want to share will uh will share it Again, we'll reshare it, like regift it. <laughs> the first one is from uh, David Coviello, and he says, I highly recommend a series of unfortunate events on Netflix. So fun. Binged it in two days. I preferred it to the film version. So, David, I don't know if you listened to last week's podcast. Yeah, I hope you are still friends. <laughs> it wasn't my cup of tea but again i'm really happy that you enjoyed it i've heard other people saying that they thought it was a lot of fun it wasn't for me but i'm always happy when somebody enjoys something so i'm glad you enjoyed it and then we have um what do we have here ed buskirk the third i love your name every time i say the third i always bow to you ed so just know that he said uh just saw the new m night Shyamalan movie wow i loved it love this old caps uh, i love this movie and i refuse to say why thank you had no spoilers uh I'm, I'm the one that does spoilers all i can say is thank you night for a great night at the movies this is a return to form and if you love his early stuff you will not be disappointed like his early stuff it's hard to say much about uh, but it is a true return for him. If nothing else, the lead performances are with the pri- are worth the price of admission. There's something missing there. James McAvoy was incredible, and the girl from The Witch was exceptional as well. I know it's not a film that will get a lot of recognition, but it was superbly act uh, by entire by the entire cast. Everyone did an exceptional job, but the standouts were, of course, McAvoy and Anya Taylor Joy. I can't wait to see what she does next, and also Betty Buckley as the psychiatrist. She really su- surprised me, and I was not familiar with her going in, but her performance also sticks out for me, especially when she was such an impassioned advocate for. Men- 
mental illness. Beautiful. I started to get worried about all that when the film started to turn, but kudos to Shyamalan for his direction and misdirection. Um, all I can say is, wow, all caps. Wow. I, I have to say, Ed, um, you know, I remember watching, obviously, The Sixth Sense and Unbreakable, and, and I enjoy those movies. And after those... I watched maybe a few more that he came out with and I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. Like I couldn't sit through another one of his movies. I just, I, I was not a fan anymore. And so I stopped. I haven't watched one of his movies in a long time. But for you to say that this one, he goes back to to his early work, you made me want to go see it. So I actually might go see it this week and I might uh, come up with my review next week. Um, so thank you, Ed. We'll see. We'll see if our review matches. Um, Ed also said, we finished The Crown. I can't say enough how much I enjoy the show, but for me, the ultimate episode focused on Churchill, played by John Lithgow, may have been my favorite episode of any show I have seen the past year. Ed, I am with you. Um, my review of The Crown was in last week's episode, and you've heard me talking about it. I'm sure how much I loved it. That episode that just was all around Churchill was one of my favorite as well. John Lithgow just brought so much depth and so much heart and passion in that character. I absolutely adored it. So, Ed, we are on the same page. And I'm really glad, glad you enjoyed it. And then we have another review from who we have here, er, Jermaine Hayes. Uh, he says, I saw the new Triple X movie. I can honestly say it was not as horrid as I expected. There was a truckload of cliche and predict predictability, but some dialogue was pretty funny, especially between Xander Cage and the supporting gal. The no longer surprising cameo was also entertaining. I give it a C minus, so it's still like it wasn't that great. <laughs> um, and he says also, I also started watching Captain Planet with Don Cheadle on Amazon Prime. I'm in pain from laughing so hard, so much. Um, well, that's great, Jermaine. Um, I actually I haven't checked that out, but um, I can use some laughing, so I might take you on that and check it out myself, so thank you, thank you, thank you we also have a review from Fabio Capelli <laughs> this is a funny one, he said I will do a very short review uh, for Triple X then it's getting old <laughs> so that was his review <laughs> and I think that was uh, that's all you needed, so thank you Fabio for that, that was really funny and then who else we have? Look how many reviews. I love you guys. You make me so happy. We have EJ Cruz, our wonderful, wonderful EJ Cruz. You guys have to know. Um, actually, I get to meet. I got to meet EJ thanks to another podcast that we had with uh, with Tom, and uh, she uh, she's she's just a magical little person there because she. Um, She's one of the travel agents for uh, Walt Disney World, and so she works as uh, with the fairy tale concierge. And uh, if you ever, if you're ever going to Orlando and or Disneyland or any Disney parks in the world um, or Universals or anything like that, contact EJ Cruz. Uh, you can find all her infos on uh, Facebook. You can. She also has. Um, the little doll whips is or 
page on Facebook and everything, but you can also ask me. I'll, I'll pass the info. She's just fantastic. Like she takes all the stress out. She's uh, amazing. I, just, I can't say enough about her. She's really, really a magical person. But she's also in our group talking about old, you know, movies and stuff when she's not, you know, watching her beautiful kids or planning a wonderful trip for somebody else. But she said, so I just saw a bit of the first episode of Victoria on PBS. I obviously need an intervention. And it was fantastic. I had to stop so I could watch it while not working. It gave me Wolf Hall feels. I used to watch uh, Wolf Hall standing up to cut up to sit down. <laughs> That's funny. Um, first, I love everything about Queen Bee. Um, she is pretty fantastic to be able to have the what is it saying here? The the sense to shake her mother and her evil boy toy at the first moment she could. It's amazing. We have strong females leads that instantly get you attached. Love that. Jenna Coleman is that perfect balance of um, in over the over her head teen but kick ass royal at the same time. Mm. And Rufus Sewell oh, is all dark and swoony, swoony. Uh, and you're hoping you can trust him. Hmm. Not to mention it's so beautiful. <laughs> I take in all these period pieces. I love the dishes on the table, the embellishments on the trunks when they're moving um when they're moving into Buckingham House. She has not changed the name to Palace yet. Even the buttons on the costumes. I am fin finishing up now. I will give you a follow up. Well, thank you very much EJ. I was actually talking with somebody else about this show. Uh, I think yesterday, actually. And she was telling me how much she loved it. So I have to try to catch it because it um, sounds like it's up my alley. You know, I love all... I love The Crown. I love Downtown Abbey. It might be another good one for me as well. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And then, last but not least, we have Marco. Marco Talotta. Hi, Marco. He says, hi, Mighty Maria and Tom. I remember I wrote this right after finishing one of the most popular Netflix original series. It was so we're we're going a little back in time with Marco here. It was the end of last summer, and I was still in awe looking at the ending credits of episode eight of Stranger Things. I know that most of the world watched it and got sucked into it. I personally liked it so much that I'm currently listening to its synthesizers filled with soundtrack as I'm writing this. Other than the exceptional cast and the production value, my favorite element was uh, the 80s vibe present in every frame that kept reminding me the gl of glories from the past that irreparably shaped my soul, like The Goonies, E.T., Stand By Me. So just for you nerdy binge watchers, I like to share some of my considerations without limiting my comments to season one, since I'm already focused on the upcoming season, uh, second one. Um, here's a brief list of the things I like to see explained in the future episodes. Spoiler alert, people. All right, here we go. One, why is Sheriff Hopper living chicken and Eleven's favorite waffles in the box in the woods? I don't know. I think she's back. She's still there somehow. What happens? Um, also, it always makes me want to eat waffles after I watch the show. Two, what is the secret deal between the sheriff and the bad guys? Hmm, something is brewing there, Marco. Three, are we ever going to see anything about the other ten kids involved in Hawking's laboratories experiments? Since 
by now we only know the 11th very good point that you know it also it's a good sign because maybe we get 10 more seasons at least number four so since we saw what happened to will after being exposed to the underworld without wearing any protective suit are the other characters that were exposed in the same way the sheriff um, Joyce and Nancy going to experience similar side effects or did Will spit up uh, spit up a baby creature just because he had a closer contact with the Demogorgon very good point Marco I don't know it might be that um, it might be that maybe I don't know he was just he just ate some bad food that day and it just you know it just it came back up I don't know we have to see Marco we will be watching that is for sure we will be watching and five last but not least didn't you think it was weird that Nancy ended up going back to Steve instead of choosing Jonathan Marco on that one no, as a woman, we always go for the bad boys. Always, always. So that one is like, eh, no, it makes sense. <laughs> he says, let me know what you think about all of this. I'm going back to the upside down now. <laughs> well, thank you, thank you. Guys, thank you so much for all those wonderful reviews. You were amazing as always. Um, and uh, I love having you being part of the show so thank you for all of this and uh i think i'm ready to wrap this baby up so uh again big thank you to ricky dj technoid for the intro and outro of the show you can find him on soundcloud at dj technoid dash three facebook and twitter dj technoid so guys you know where to find us stage door podcast facebook the stage door podcast twitter the stage door pod itunes soundcloud Google Play, we're everywhere. Just uh, Google us and you'll find us. Um, we're going to have some news coming up uh, very soon. And um, I'm not going to say anything else right now. But it was a pleasure talking to every single one of you. And uh, it's a wrap. Bye.